in today's show. Free agency rolls on in the NBA. We're going to talk about Spencer Dinwiddie, Kemba Walker, and all of the other moves. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. Well, we're going to cover the next bunch of free agency signings. Free agency is sort of starting to wind down now. Still a few players that we need decisions on, which uh, I'll talk about who those players are at the end of today's show. I'm recording this at about 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on uh, Wednesday in the U.S., so any signings that happen after that. Uh, will not be covered in today's show, but let's talk about what we are going to cover in this one, and that is uh, the signings that did go down. Now, we sort of knew this one was happening, and that's Spencer Dinwiddie going to the Washington Wizards, but there was no full confirmation, but we do have that confirmation now. Dinwiddie, who missed basically all of last season with a torn ACL, 28 years old, point guard, um, Three years, $62 million to go to the Washington Wizards, and he was signed and traded to the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets get out of this a future second-round pick, and they get a future second-round pick swap, so really nothing. Um, the Wizards also gave up a second-round pick and Chandler Hutchison to the San Antonio Spurs, and this is all rolled into a five-team trade, which also includes the Lakers and the Pacers with the Westbrook trade, with the Aaron Holiday draft day trade, Isaiah Jackson. That's all pushed in together. Um, so the second round pick in Chandler Hutchison that goes to the Spurs, that's not really part of the sign and trade. That's a sort of separate transaction that they're all rolling in together that the Wizards are just dumping Hutchison because they wanted to get under the luxury tax. So this is you know, when I have my criticisms of the DeMar DeRozan deal yesterday. Like you don't need to overpay DeRozan $30 million a year, give up a first round pick, two second round picks and two players to get a sign and trade done, especially when you are negotiating against nobody. There's nobody else paying that salary. Yeah, the Nets get a second round pick and a pick swap that probably will never happen in the second round. Like that's what you get in a sign and trade. Um, even the you know, the Bulls giving up your Sadoransky and Temple for the Lonzo one, and again that makes a little bit of sense. But that that one for DeRozan, uh, horrendous. Just her, her, I think horrendous dealing. And yeah, you can criticize one deal while also praising deals of getting Caruso and Lonzo Ball in. But let's go back to this one for Dinwiddie. He will be the starting point guard next to Bradley Beal. Don't go too crazy for him for fantasy. Still need to project it out. But he's never been an absolutely elite fantasy guy because of his poor percentages. He's not the highest, highest assist player. He's very low steals. Usually he's a poor three-point shooter also. I think there's a real risk he gets overdrafted just on name value of Dinwiddie because he can go out there and score. You can have 20 points. You can have six assists. But he's not going to be uh, a guy that's getting big rebounds. He had two and a half threes, one and a half steals. Um, and percentages can be some to all his field goal percentage, especially can sometimes be a problem. But he will, of course, be a draftable guy. But we just have to sort of see how that all balances out. But a really, really good move for the Wizards to get Dinwiddie. I had him rated pretty highly on my, uh, my, my free agency list of values of, of players and getting him 
at that you know, $21 million mark uh, for three years, takes him through to age 31, I think is a, uh, a very, very solid piece of business from the uh, from the Washington Wizards there. So well done to them to, to get Dinwiddie and well done for him to get that contract and the starting role for the first time in his career. Let's now go on to another signing. It was Markeith Morris going to the Miami Heat on a one-year veteran minimum deal. He will likely come in there as the backup to PJ Tucker at Power Forward. He will probably take some backup center minutes away from the undertaker, Dwayne Dedman, and he just won't have any sort of fantasy impact, but just a solid enough player. It's a little bit of a loss for the Lakers, I would say, because I thought he provided some decent value at times last year in that backup role, but he's not there now. Of course, they've got Gasol and Howard and Davis to take those center minutes. Of course, Davis should be taking the majority of them, and he probably won't, but it is a very, very solid deal for Miami to bring to bring Markeith in on that uh, on that minimum salary, who can still be, again, a useful player who sometimes can stretch the floor. He has been overrated at times in his career, but I think he's found a role that, uh, that does end up suiting him. The uh, Milwaukee Bucks bring in a veteran minimum backup point guard, George Hill, after you know, playing for Milwaukee, of course, being traded in the Drew Holiday trade ending up in Oklahoma City, then ending up in Philadelphia and playing well in Oklahoma City, but not playing well in Philadelphia. He was waived by the Sixers and signed by the Bucks. They needed a backup point guard after you know, dealing with uh, Jeff Teague and whatever nonsense he was providing last year. Hill, of course, has no fantasy value unless we get a Drew Holiday injury. And even then, it's really marginal what he can provide. But as a solid backup point guard who can shoot the three ball at a really, really high rate, usually, uh, I think that's a really good signing to, to bring him in and it just helps bolster a team that did lose a little bit by losing, say, Bryn Forbes and uh, and losing PJ Tucker. So good move there to bring George Hill in. Another George that we're going to talk about here is George Niang, who was uh, you know let go by the Utah Jazz and signed by the Sixers two years, $6.7 million. So a bit above minimum. He's 28 years of age. He can be okay, I guess, in a backup role. I wouldn't say that it's a, a home run signing or anything like that, and he might not even be uh, any sort of large part of the rotation, but you think there's a chance for him to carve out uh, backup power forward minutes. Of course, he's not going to be a... Um, there's not going to be any sort of fantasy value in that role, but uh, Nyang, just solid enough depth piece for those, uh, for those Philadelphia 76ers. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all of the parts that you need. Why would you endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business. In, they've been in business for over 20 years, serving do-it-yourselfers online. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, and write locked on in there, how did you hear about us box, so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com all right, on to the next deal, and that is in San Antonio with Australian big man Jock Landale, or according to the the uh, announcer on the Olympics, Landale. No, Jock Landale. Uh, big man center playing in Europe. I think he's deserving of an NBA shot here. 
Um, he gets that contract. He's played really well in the Olympics. The terms of the deal not announced. It's likely a minimum with a non-guarantee on the second year would be my guess or a team option or something like that, but we haven't heard that uh, exactly. But he comes in. He'll be... Yeah, remember, they were having... Um, Gorgie Jeng is the backup center last season. Yeah, he has an opportunity, I guess, to to battle for some of those backup center minutes. There's Zach Collins, but he's not going to be healthy to begin this year. They'll play Thad Young quite a bit at center. There's Drew Eubanks there. So there's no guarantee that he even has a, a role, Landau. But it's just good, you know, I guess, from an Aussie perspective that he gets an opportunity. I think he is deserving of that uh, NBA opportunity. The world. Hassan Whiteside signs with the Utah Jazz to be the backup center to Rudy Gobert. No, you do not draft him in fantasy. Someone actually asked me yesterday whether you draft Andre Drummond in fantasy. No, you don't. You don't go anywhere near him in fantasy. You don't draft Hassan Whiteside in fantasy. He was obviously fairly shithouse last season in Sacramento. He has absolutely zero chance of stealing the starting job from uh, Rudy Gobert, but he will be that backup center who will play 15 to 18 minutes a night. Probably closer to 15 minutes a night. If you need a stream for blocks or field goal percentage or rebounds, more probably rebounds and blocks at this point in his career. Your white side is useful there. If he has to start and the minutes have to be expanded, you know he can put up fantasy numbers. But that's literally all that we need to know about him. Hopefully he pulls his head in and is not a complete dickhead slash distraction as he has been at times in his career. But just settling in as a minimum contract, backup center. People think I hate Hassan Whiteside. That's 100% not true. I think he's overrated. I think he's done a lot of stupid things in his career. Um, But as a one-year minimum salary backup center, totally fine. And my issue was not with him getting a minimum salary last year with Sacramento. I was fearful that they would play him too much. Yeah, Here in this role where he's absolutely locked in as a backup, not a problem whatsoever with Hassan Whiteside getting that deal. Let's go back to San Antonio where Bryn Forbes has come in. I assume it's for a veteran minimum contract one year for Forbesy. He was on a one-year minimum in Milwaukee last season. He can shoot. He does basically literally nothing else. Can't really pass. Can't really create his own shot. Can't really defend. He's a good shooter, a good spot-up catch-and-shoot guy, but that's really what Bryn Forbes provides. Um, But there's a lot of guards there. Maxim Derek White and DeJounte Murray is starters. Lonnie Walker, Devin Vassell coming off the bench. They've obviously lost Patty Mills. So they don't really have a backup point guard at this point. They're going to have to be staggering, I'm guessing, um, uh, Murray and White to get that backup point guard minutes. There's Josh Primo, who they drafted in the uh, lottery, uh, unbelievably. He will barely play this season. But you've got Walker, Forbes, and Vassell, who have to get some minutes. And none of them are point guards. So again, just have to split those White and Murray minutes, which I think actually helps both Murray and White, their fantasy value. They're going to get more shots and more ball handling with DeMar gone and with Patty Mills gone. So I think it helps their value quite a bit. And Forbes has zero fantasy value. Maybe he's a three-point streamer, but I can't really see him being too much more than that. John Collins with a massive, massive deal. Power forward, 24 years of age, in case you are unaware of who the Baptist is. Five years, $125 million contract with a player option, which is great business for Collins to get that player option. Don't really think the Hawks had to do that, but they did it. Um, it's a lot of money, $25 million a year. He was a key part in what they did. We saw his usage and role decrease during the season, which was to be expected. But you know, no reason to me that he can't repeat 
what he did last offseason, or sorry, last season. He might play a few extra minutes at center with Onyeka Okongwu down, but Gorgie Jen can also handle that playing time. Yeah, Collins probably, it probably boosts his playing time, his minutes a little bit while Okongwu's out. But remember, Okongwu didn't even play huge chunks of last season. I think they're happy with Collins in that 30-minute-a-night role, 31 minutes maybe. And he again, I don't really see huge, huge improvements from what he did last season, just given the players on this team. Not saying that we give up on him being able to get back to being that you know, top 20 fantasy guy that he was two years ago. But I just I don't think it's going to happen this season for Collins. But a great re- reward for him. Great reward for the Hawks um, for playing as well as they did and getting as far as they did. Maybe there's a chance of some extra minutes. But I think you know, a lot of the rotations for Atlanta will stay relatively similar this season versus last season, just, of course, with the absence of Nyeka Okongwu. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. And you can track all of that action at BetOnline, including uh, NBA Summer League games, which you'll be able to bet on over there too. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball and UFC MMA action and PGA Golf too. Check out before the next pitch heads Ah, sorry, before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all of the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today using our promo code LOCKEDON and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online are your online sportsbook experts. Okay, next one. Big one here. News that Kemba Walker is agreeing to a buyout with the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think he had $60 million left on his deal for two more years. We don't have any details of this deal at this point, how much he's giving back or how much he's going to be signing with the Knicks or for how long. But I think it was important to include this here. Now, the Knicks, I think, only have $10 million in cap space, so he can't be getting any more than that for this year. Maybe he gets like a, a player option, one plus one, at eight nine million dollars for this year, and then if it works out, he declines it um, and, and re-signs to a larger deal. Although they won't have bird rights, so that'll make it harder for him there. But I guess he's got that buyout money, so he's just happy to be going to New York into a team that's that's going to be um, you know in that playoff mix pretty clearly. Now I didn't like what New York did with the Noel contract, the Rose contract, um, uh, the Evan Fournier contract. I didn't, I didn't hate them. I didn't particularly like them, especially the Noel one. It didn't make a ton of sense, but it, it does turn out that all those three-year deals that they, they signed, all uh, Alec Burke's contract, they all have non-guarantees or team options on that third year, which I think is pretty good, good work there from the Knicks to do that. But getting Kemba Walker in is a massive win. I thought they were a little bit of an overrated four seed last year, and I thought it would be tough for them to get that, that number back this year. Bringing Kemba in and Ivan Fournier as an upgrade from Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock, is huge. Now, of course, this is terrible news for Isaiah Quickly's fantasy value, who now has Kemba, Fournier, Burks, and Rose in that backcourt. Like, legitimately a chance that Quickly doesn't even play 20 minutes a night. If they're only going to play four guards a night, he might not play every night. So if you're hoping for a big Quickly season, I think that's cooked. Kemba and Fournier will be your starters. Kemba's value will be pretty fine. I think this hurts Julius Randle because Randle was doing uh, so much last year. And his efficiency did take a big hit, and that will bump back up. But with Fournier and Walker now in that starting lineup versus Payton and Bullock, 
those two guys, Fournier and Walker, will have much higher usages. And it is going to have an impact on Randall. So I don't think we have any way of being able to expect Randall to do the exact same thing. Not only will his usage drop down, but the amount of times the ball is in his hands will drop down as well. So assist rate will fall. And he is a real risk to be overdrafted, Julius Randall, I think, the double royal. Real chance that that, get, that, that happens. I haven't projected all this out yet. But yeah, there is there is that uh, that worry. I think Kemba's numbers will be okay, fairly solid, similar to his Boston numbers, maybe a little bit higher. Of course, that does it d- does hurt uh, quickly, as I said, and it's going to hurt Derek Rose, it's going to hurt Burks, it's going to hurt all those guards there as well with Kemba coming in. But it's a massive piece of business in terms of where the Knicks sit in the Eastern Conference. It's pretty crowded there. Brooklyn by far up the top with the with the Bucks, and then we've got the Sixers, you got the Celtics, you got the Heat, you got the Pacers, you got the Knicks. All in that mix together. Some people will say the Bulls are in the mix for the four seed. I would say there's no way that that's, that's the case. I think the Bulls might... I think there's a legitimate chance that the Bulls, with their moves, might still just be a playing team. Maybe they're an eight seed. I think all those other teams, Pacers, Knicks, Celtics, Sixers, Hawks, Heat, are all better than Chicago as things are currently constructed. But it is, it is an interesting Eastern Conference now. That's probably eight solid-ish teams, and I'm sure there's somebody else that I'm forgetting. I'm just going to bring up my list of teams. Like, who else am I forgetting here? Well, Lando's not going to be good. That's, uh, we know that. They're not going to be great. Anyway, to- or Toronto. The Rap- Could the Raptors push into that mix as well? Where do the Wizards sit? They're probably more in that playing role, and I think the Bulls are better than them. The Hornets can be in that playing mix as well. I think they're going to be better than they were last season. The Pistons won't be at that level, I don't think. Very interesting stuff in the Eastern Conference. You know, you've got the, the Magic, who will be bad. You've got the Pistons who will probably be bad. Yeah, quite bad. And then everyone else who might be solid, I think. Yeah, everyone else might be pretty solid. Interesting stuff in the Eastern Conference. The Bulls do make a solid move. Someone asked me yesterday, you know, uh, should the Bulls have gone after Hassan Whiteside or would you prefer Whiteside uh, to Felicio? Which, you know... As much as I shit on Whiteside, it's all about context and role. Like, of course, he's way better than Cristiano Felizio. But one of the names that I brought up that I thought Chicago should go after to be their backup center was Tony Bradley. And they go after Tony Bradley and they bring him in. One year, veteran minimum salary. He's only 23 years of age. I think he's a really good piece of business. I think Bradley showed flashes in Utah two years ago, played pretty well in Philadelphia, and I thought played okay in Oklahoma City. Interesting that they rejected his restricted free agency rights. And he was able to come in. I think this is a really, really solid piece of business for the Bulls for him to be their backup center. He's not going to play big minutes, but to come in, rim protect, defend okay, be an okay lob threat. I think he's perfectly suited to be a backup NBA center. I think it's actually a really good signing for Chicago. It's not going to move the needle hugely, but it's not like having Cristiano Felizio as your backup center. Or Larry Markkinen, who's your backup center, who's not a center because he's just horrendous defensively. I think this is a really, really good move for Chicago to bring in Tony Bradley. The Sacramento Kings bring back Terrence Davis. Two years, $8 million. Davis, of course, showed those flashes in Toronto. Had to deal with the domestic uh, violence charges, which I believe were dismissed. But I think there might have been some... If I'm not sure about that, so... I, I know that he was accused of that, and I don't know where that went, so I'm not going to say any more on that. But he showed some flashes in Sacramento when he got there last year. But man, they're backcourt. Darren Fox, Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald is still there. They drafted Davion Mitchell, who had a really good performance in Summer League. 
against absolutely nobody, but the fact that he looked comfortable taking that three was encouraging. Unfortunately, he shot 50% from the free throw line, which is always looks like it's going to be a problem. And I'm not reading into that too much. I'm not really sure where his, um, where his role is with, with Heald, Halliburton, Fox, and Terrence Davis coming back. Um, Davis is solid, but again, that role is just... It's just not going to be there on this team unless they make more moves, which they very easily could, given the um, yeah the all the noise around uh, Budrick Heald. But two years, eight million dollars, absolutely worth worth a look there for the the Kings to bring him back and see what he can produce after only having him at the trade deadline. Remember this bloke, Eric Pascal, the Triangle, who put up some decent numbers in a strange role as a rookie. And it was one of those guys that I said, there is a massive chance that this rookie season from Eric Pascal is his best year ever. Draymond was, wasn't trying in and out of the lineup. No Clay, no Steph. He was playing way too much. He had the ball in his hands too much. His usage was too high. He's not that good. And then last year when the Warriors were you know, playing more competitively, he fell out of the rotation, had some COVID issues and injury issues. And now they just dump him to the Jazz for a future second round pick. So Eric Pascal goes to Utah for a future second round pick. It's why when we evaluate performances on tanking teams, that context is super important. When we, when we look at what Pascal did in that year and go, it's absolutely not realistic for this bloke to maintain that level of usage with the ball in his hands and play that many minutes when he's a subpar defender and can't shoot threes. And we saw it bear out last year, and now in his third year, he's just been dumped. He's 24 years of age. Um, does you know, Where does he fit on this team now? Obviously, Royce O'Neal will likely be their starter. At power forward, um, you know, Ingles is coming off the bench. Pascal will be in that role, but they also signed Rudy Gay. And I thought Rudy Gay would play a lot of center for them, but they also signed you know, Whiteside, of course. So I'm not even sure, and actually I'm pretty sure, that Pascal won't really be a huge every night regular rotation player. Um, and again, Star has fallen uh, a little bit for Eric in that situation. The Boston Celtics bring back Ennis Cantor. One-year veteran minimum. And like a few of these deals that we're talking about here, like, does he... Is he even in the rotation? Al Horford, Robert Williams are both still there. Sure, you can claim that Al Horford will play at power forward, which we know Brad Stevens as a coach did last year. I don't know if Yudoka will do that. But Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum should be your four. They don't... Yeah, their, their wing positions are a bit weird, but... They can go with Marcus Smart, Josh Richardson, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford slash Rob Williams at center. Cantor might be the backup, but he's not going to do what he did last year in um, Portland. So don't you know, go. Oh, don't look at his ranking from last season and expect that from Ennis. He's solid insurance if Horford or Williams gets hurt, which are huge, huge possibilities. And if they do decide to run those two big man lineups, which to me, again, seems stupid. I don't know why you would do it, but they might do it. Yeah, maybe maybe there's 17, 18 minutes in it for Anders Cantor. But I don't think there's a huge role there. Nor do I think there is a huge role for Miami's next signing, Victor Oladipo, which, again, minimum salary. One-year deal, testing free agency again. He's not going to be ready to start the season. There are rumors he may miss the entire season or a big chunk of it anyway with that quad issue. He has not been the same since that... Um, that season with uh, Indiana where he's all NBA and then he had the knee and the quad issues and it's really it's really rooted him. Like he is um, in real trouble in terms of where his career goes from here. 
And if we look at Miami's backcourt, he's not going to start because Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry are going to start. And then you have Tyler Hero coming off the bench. So if he is healthy, Oladipo, he will likely be coming um, off the off the bench. Um, yeah, with Hero as one of them being the backup point guard. But there's no guarantee he's back even until sometime in 2022. Absolutely not a draftable player. And I'm not sure how many opportunities he's going to get this year to actually show that he is ready for free agency in the years to come. Really bad downturn for Oladipo, injury-related. Some of his shot selection and shooting numbers are his fault too, but it's also just not uh, understanding that your body can't do what it used to do and you're trying to do too much and prove yourself and, and it hasn't worked out well. Uh, I, At age 29, with probably another lost season, I am... I do not think that Oladipo, he wasn't a starting caliber player last year. I don't think he's a starting caliber player probably at all in his future, which is really sad to say. Maybe he gets there, but I have no confidence in that. Now onto a much less impactful or much less newsworthy name, but Arnoldus Kuboka, 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 sorry, um, has signed a two-way deal with the, con- with, with the contract with the Charlotte Hornets. This is a guy who was a second round pick about two, three years ago, stashed over in Europe. 6'9", 6'10", small forward, power forward. Shot like 45% from three in Europe this last season. They've developed him over there, really bring him over now. There's an opportunity for a 12th man sort of role on Charlotte. Not not a huge role, but there's an opportunity there for him um, to come over and uh, and maybe work his way into the rotation at, uh, at some point. But if that shooting's real at that size, Kuboka, I don't know what happened there. Sorry, I don't know. That Norman Powell one wasn't supposed to come up. Let's go back to Kuboka. Um, yeah, Kuboka could be just an interesting guy. So it's good that he's over. He's on a two-way, so there's not huge role there, but it is going to impact guys like you know, JT Thor, their ability to get a crack at the rotation. Maybe he can overtake a Jalen McDaniels as the backup there as well. But just keep an eye on Kuboka because he is there and he is, um, uh, he is uh, an option with some really good shooting. So that is all the signings that have occurred up until where we are yeah where we are at this time in the day. Let's have a look at who the best players available still are on the free agent market and that is the wrong slide. I'm still in preseason as well. Let me bring up the right the right slot side for you here. Eventually just twiddle your thumbs while I get it fixed. Nope, that's wrong. I'm going to just pause this for a second. All right, that's better. Best remaining free agents. The fun guy, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> I don't think there's any concern with him not going back to the Clippers. Kelly Oubre Jr., Dennis Schroeder. Who the hell is signing those guys? They are they are two guys who I've been much lower on than consensus. Um, obviously, yeah, the way that the NBA is viewing them at the moment would be in line with the way that I view them as not all that good are not particularly huge winning type players. But, you know, you would think that there's got to be something out there for him. But they're not. The best player on this list is Kawhi Leonard. The next high priority guy that I'd be going for on this list is Danny Green, who's still unsigned. Schroeder, I think Schroeder's a backup point guard. I think Ubre's a backup wing. We'll see where they end up going. I don't think that either Ubre or Schroeder is going to have fantasy value this year. Josh the Hitman Hart remains unsigned. He's a restricted free agent, so that's always a little bit more of a complex process. I can't really see a big role for him. Cleveland has been rumored 
um, but it, it wouldn't be a big role. Reggie Jackson, looks like he'll be going back to the Clippers. Probably is their starting point guard, would be my guess. So maybe he can sneak in as a late-round guy. Larry Markin is a restricted guy. Can't see him being a fantasy-relevant player this year. Danny Green probably won't be, but there should be a big role for Green. And I don't know why he hasn't been signed. And then a bunch of veterans, Paul Millsap, JJ Redick, and Lou Williams, who all probably are going to get minimum deals on good teams. Maybe Williams goes back to the Hawks. Millsap, I don't know. Maybe it's the Bucks. Redick, I would imagine the Knicks or the Nets would be an option for him. Um, but yeah, they're, they're probably the best guys remaining on the market to be signed. Guys, that'll do it for me today. Don't forget. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app, but on YouTube. Give it a thumbs up. Leave your comments down below. Tell me, what was the best signing of today? Was it Spencer Dinwiddie to the Wizards? Was it the re-signing of John Collins? Was it Kemba Walker to the Knicks? What did you think was the best signing? I think it's probably Kemba to the Knicks, personally. But, um, yeah, Dinwiddie's a close second there. Actually, Collins is a pretty good deal, but it's it's probably Kemba to the Knicks. Subscribe, thumbs up, notification bell, guys. We are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.